This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Behrens. Today, we are going to get into the worst stand-up gigs I have ever done. As a comedian, the top things you get asked are, you know, you ever bomb? What happens if you bomb? Uh, do you write your own material? Like, like just the super... Do you worry about cancel culture? Just, like, the basic, like, stupid questions that you fucking get asked. But we get asked a lot, like, what, what are, like, the worst gigs you've done? So, today, we're going to cover that. And when I say worst gigs, a gig can be bad and you don't bomb. I don't consider, you know, bombing a bad gig. And comics, like, we don't really, you know, bomb a lot. Like, if you're a comic that has worked often, you don't bomb often, you know? So, it's the shit that happens before and after and during the show that we're going to get into hope you guys enjoy the episode and enjoy your week be well so before i start with this list and these stories let me explain how i determine a bad gig i determine a gig being bad by like not like if i bomb i'm not like oh that's a bad i mean like i had a bad set but i mean if i still get paid if i didn't go too far out my way if the promoter wasn't being weird about something if the crowd wasn't being you know if the crowd outside of just not liking me <clears throat> there was nothing you know overtly wrong it's fine i consider a bad gig one uh when the promoter or booker or club owner Whoever's the money, whoever your point person is over there does some goofy shit with the money. I consider that to be like, okay, that's a bad gig. If they if they fuck up the money or they take too long on a payment. Two, uh, people aren't doing their job. Because really, I mean, like, is putting on comedy shows easy? No, but it's also not working at Johns Hopkins, you know? It's also not, you know... It's not working at Yale. <laughs> Isn't it funny when people like when people want to like exhibit something that's smart? They only it's like Johns Hopkins, Mensa, Yale, <laughs> Rocket Science. Like those are the only smart jobs out there. We gotta like we gotta come up with some new shit when we want to illustrate being smart. Anyways, when people don't do their job, because it's really fucking simple. My comedian's job. Be on time, perform, do your time. Comedians, do your time. Comedians, do your time. Servers serve, okay? Door people, floor people, even servers, shh, 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 when people are talking. That shouldn't be our job to, hey, stop talking. Hey, stop talking. That's your fucking job. Point people, money people, make sure the money's on time. If it's going to be something like you're mailing a check, communicate that. And make sure it arrives in a timely fashion. But that's what I look for. That That's if, if somebody's not doing their job within that, then I'm like, all right, that's a bad gig. And then fallout, bad shit that like you think like a gig went well. And then all of a sudden you get a call like, hey, um, this thing happened. Not cool, man. Not cool. That's another way I judge. And it was some shit that is that's like, all right, you're kind of creating a problem where there isn't one. That's how I judge a bad gig. So let's start off. 
Cause, cause they are get well. Oh, okay. Actually, before we start off, cause there are certain gigs. Like I did one was at the spot called Planet Gemini in Monterey, and I featured there for a weekend for Paulo Gata, real funny comic that lives in uh that's from Hawaii and uh, lives in Vegas now, but real funny dude, legendary on the West Coast, and I got paid fifty dollars a show. For like coming all the way from the Bay Area to Monterey, no hotel, and but they free food and free drinks. But I was like two, I was like maybe a year, two a year and some change into doing comedy. I shouldn't have even been opening for fucking Paulo Gata. I shouldn't have even been on that stage because like one show, like I fucking killed, and the next then because we did one show each night. Like Friday I killed, Saturday I bombed, and it's like fine, that's fair. And it's like I mean looking back, it's like god damn fifty dollars no hotel room, what the fuck. But at the same time, it's like, well, they kind of knew that they'd get people like me that are just willing to do the gig and wanted to work with uh, more established tier talent. So I don't consider that like like a bad gig. It's just looking back, it's just like, God damn, these motherfuckers got over on me. Anyway, so first real bad gig, Modesto. There's this place called the St. Clair Theater. And I, I did a show there one time. And it was really weird. This lady that, uh, and this was not the bad, the bad gig, but this lady that the first time I went, it was this woman. She wasn't even a comic. She was like a, a organizer. And I think, you know, they're like certain people. They're women. I've seen this before. They're like these white women that are like mid thirties, a little older. And I think they come around comedy because they're trying to find themselves a man. Cause they kind of like have their shit together on paper. Like, you know, they're thin, they're like blonde-ish, you know, professional. And it's like, they're like, I want to get into comedy. And I've, I've organized some music events. I like to get into comedy. And I've actually seen them snatch up male, snatch up comedian boyfriends. I've seen this shit happen. So I got the feeling that's what she was doing. And she was like working her way through it out of Modesto. And it was a weird gig because it was me. And if you know these names, you'll realize how much sense it didn't make. It was me, this guy, Dave DeLuca. And Sandy Steck, who's who's this uh, comedian and a radio personality. And for those that don't know those names, <coughs> to to make you realize how fucking weird of a, a lineup, because and all of us were doing thirty minutes, and to make you realize how fucking weird that was, it's kind of like going to like a music festival, and they're like, well, so we got the Red Hot Chili Peppers, we got J Cole. We got Avril Lavigne. Like, what the fuck kind of lineup is this? Like, none of our comedy made sense for that to, for that shit to flow. And we're all doing 30 minutes. So, And I barely had 30 minutes. Again, a gig I should not have been doing. So that shit happened. And then... And it was, like, fine, but the, it, the theater wasn't good for comedy. The ceilings were too high. And there were, like, some African drums in the background for some reason, which was just really... Like, it looked really just the black, just like, like like the black man in me just wanted to bang on them in the middle of my set. Like, oh, them drums just keep staring at a nigga. So, I did that gig one time. It was cool. I mean, it was it wasn't really cool. I didn't really enjoy it because, but it was like fine for what it was. So I come back and there's this dude named Johnny Creel who is this tall, skinny, Jehovah's Witness, light-skinned man, and he'd wear, like, fedora bucket hats and black leather jackets, and he he 
the nigga dressed like an R&B detective. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he's a nice guy, though. But <laughs> so then Johnny Creel, right? And I never see, I saw Johnny at like some gig in like another place. I shouldn't have been like Tracy. I was hungry when I started doing comedy. And when you're hungry, it leads you to do a lot of, it led me to go to a lot of places I just shouldn't have been. <coughs> So anyway, so I met him in some place I shouldn't have been like Tracy or some shit. And he's like, you know, man, like, you know, like the way that you do you and keep in mind, he's a nigga from Central California. And I'm not talking shit about Johnny. I'm just saying Central California niggas, they different. So Johnny's like and not Fresno because Fresno niggas, mm, they their own thing. But he was like, you know, like I see a lot of similarities in our stand up. You know, I see there's there and like it's just like I think what he really meant was like, oh, you don't do that Def Jam nigger stuff either. And it's like, but he made it like it was this deep thing. Like, dude, we're not Dave Chappelle's children. Anyways, well, I am. No, I'm kidding. But so I'm Patrice's kid. So, anyways, so brings me out to do the gig. And I bring Dustin Hempstead with me. And because I needed a ride. I didn't have a car, didn't drive. I still don't drive. That's why I live in New York now. But so we do the so we go out there, we go to like some fucking diner, we have food, and then we head over to the gig. It's barely it, it was like what the fuck Here's how bad it was. Cuz like there's like no people at, at at the venue. Like white people are kind of better about that shit. But he booked I even have like the flyer somewhere. It was called like the it was called like the Urban Comedy Jam in Modesto, and it was like who the fuck? Just like the le- Modesto, who the fuck is asking for these flyers and these lineups? <laughs> the Urban Comedy Jam in Modesto. So, needless to say, I think you're gonna have a difficult time selling that in Modesto. Like it's just white people and Mexicans, nigga. So there's a sort of energy when there's like nobody at the gig, and it's like. With black people, it's like mm, nobody came out to this shit, mm, mm. and it was, it it was anyway. So I see everybody just trying to get through this shit. Then and Johnny looks like he somebody fucking stole his bike. He's like, cause he put the shit on, and he's just looking embarrassed. And I'm like, well, let's do it and then it was so bad there's this one lady on the show her name was i hope she's doing well nice lady her name's uh queenie tt that was that was her name and she she like she she sing on stage she she closed out her set by taking her wig off and she was bald-headed so (laughs) and she was like (laughs) i mean it it, it would work it would kill it would kill you know It, it would kill so she do that shit right and then she, she like like did that closing number but that one time like she was like because normally she'd take her wig off and she do the song and then people go ah this time she just said look nigga and she just pulled the wig off <laughs> and she didn't even sing <laughs> that's how different <laughs> that's how bad the gig was so when i get up and this is kind of when like the the Cause when I started, I was doing stand up. I was kind of like a baby Aerie Spears. Like I was doing a bunch of impressions. It was like it was like Aerie Spears mixed with like a kind of like Nick Cannon esque. Cause I was like a twenty year old nigga, so it was like a little bit of that. And it was like I was trying. I, it was cause like I wanted crowds to like me. 
But then when like I really started acting like myself, it was like, oh, this is like if Riley Freeman did stand up. So <laughs> I just so like I'm like, well, let's try some impressions. And I'm like, and then I just start doing a bunch of crowd work. And I had like nothing was fucking hitting. I did like one line that got like some reactions. And I was like, well, that's it. And then Queenie TT, nicest lady, she gets on Facebook and then she said, she made this post and she said, well, sometimes after the gig, all you can say is thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's pretty, it's pretty bad when comics talk shit openly online alluding to how bad the gig was. And this is something I've really only seen with the Central Valley California people. Now they got some guys, like, you got guys out there like Saul Trujillo and Anthony K and guys that have fixed up that the San Joaquin Valley's rep. But there was a time they were known for some nut jobs. So anyway, so after the gig, what made it so bad? I mean, that's not what made it so bad. It's the shit after. Because, hey, like, whatever. The place didn't fill up. Like, this... I kind of knew what it would be based on the flyer and all that. Like, that's the thing when you do gigs. Like, you, like when I saw, like, Urban Comedy Jam, I was like, man, nigga, just say Lyle Band. Just, oh. So, after the show, I'm supposed to get $80, which, like, I, you know, whatever. Two and a half years in. That's fine. So, I'm like, all right, man, what's up with the cash? And he's telling me, he's like, then, John, then Johnny's like, I don't have the money, man. You know, I didn't sell enough tickets. I'm like, well, that's not my problem. Because you said $80. You had it in writing. And I had that in writing. And he's like, well, you're going to have to pull it up. I'm like, I can pull it up right now. And then, and like I said to him, and this is the thing, all promoters, all promoters, all promoters. If you say a certain motherfucking number, because when you promote an event, it's like moving dope. And you got a percentage on that shit. You can make more than what you you paying your mans for, more than what you paying your peoples for, or you can make less. Had he done his job correctly, had any promoter in this situation do their job correctly, okay, I'm giving Lyle $80. Nigga could have walked out of there with $1,500 had he done his job the right fucking way, had he done what he was supposed to do. So, but I digress. <clears throat> so he's like, I didn't make enough. And it's like, that's not my problem. Cause it's not my fucking problem. And I've been, the shoes been on the other foot and I've been like, and I've had to eat that money. It, no problem. So he's like, well, I don't, I don't have it. And I'm like, man, you better come up with that shit. And he's like, dude, there's this bar next door. He's fine. Chica's fine. Let's like, dude, they will fuck you. I, I can introduce you to them. I'm like, how you gonna convince some bad Mexican bitches to fuck me? We ain't got eighty dollars, nigga. That shit don't add up. <laughs> like, what kind of logic is that? And it's like, <laughs> have like, <laughs> have the Sherlock Holmes of R and B come fucking introduce me to some bitches? Like, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Like, it did look like some of these like fine slutty ass aunties was walking in there. I'm, that I I was a little intrigued by what was going on in that bar next door. But I was also kind of like, well, nigga, you don't seem quick to go up in there. It's like it's probably some like because you know how, how how shit goes down in them like Mexican ass towns when you the only niggas in there, and then you trying to like get up with they women and they live there and you just coming through. Oh hell no, I heard too many stories about that nigga. So I'm like, man, you better come up with that money. And then Dustin's there, 
I'm like, yo, Dustin, man. We, and Dustin's like, relax. We're not going to have to do anything. And then Dustin just sit. And Dustin is, uh, he's like an Italian mutt from Cupertino. But he has <clears throat> like a good number of Italian Americans, despite what the, they tell you. They do have some sort of connection to organized crime. Because, you know, you think about how big the mafia was. So it's not that far-fetched that they'll have like one uncle or one grandfather that was in that life. So Dustin had that. And boy, does that boy like to milk that shit. So he was fucking... He's like, no, relax. We're not going to need to do anything. And I'm like, I'm all... Pop and Johnny Creel's like six foot three. I'm like a skinny six one kid back at the time. Oh my goodness, how time flies. And... I'm like, what's up? Then he opens his wallet and I see him like running through some money. Hands me four $20 bills. How hard was that, Johnny? How hard was that, Johnny? <laughs> he like, <laughs> you really thought you was going to pile me up on some fucking 37 <laughs> year old Mexican pussy nigga that wasn't going to do shit in the first place? Like, no, nigga. So that was one of the worst gigs just that I, I like. Did, and that, that's no shade on Johnny. I, I hope that boy's doing well. But I had to go through all that shit. I, first off, you you got to go to a place like Modesto, which is not enjoyable. There's no big city town next town over. You know, it's like, no, you were fucking in Modesto. Because, you know, like the thing with certain gigs, it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. But, like, if I had a gig that was in, like, Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a place that's kind of far out. If I had a gig and my brain's on California map time still. Let's say I just need like like I need like a a I need like okay, like I'm doing a, a gig this da, 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 this far out. I'm okay, cool. All right, what's the next biggest town? Like I need like at least a Santa Rosa sized town. I need a fucking um you know santa cruz size like okay there's like a little there's a little something i can get into after modesto ain't that so i, I was annoyed i went all the way out to like a bunk ass town i was annoyed at the crowd that was there i was like this is some bullshit you ain't queenie tt ain't even taking her wig off the right way what the fuck did you do to her <laughs> and then them african uh, and then it's like it was uh, them african a shit happening with them african drums right there Going lower the ceiling, so I was just I was annoyed for all those reasons, and then the bullshit with the money, and then you actually thinking that that shit would work because if he was, I mean, because the nigga dressed it like like uh like uh uh fucking what what what's that shit they do um uh not an intern he he dressed it like a temp pimp. Like he's like he's like, like 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 the pimp said like I need somebody from the temp agency. So it's like it's if they really had holes like that, I maybe like I I mean Dustin like like what should I do? But no, there's the it, by that point there's too much Oakland to me to turn down the money. But yeah, so that was like that was my first experience of like a bag, but it's not a bad taste in my mouth anymore because I got the money and I got a story out of it. But it's about to get worse. So that was roughly 2012. Fast forward to 2015. And now we go to Phoenix, Arizona. And I want to say this is February or so of 2015. 
I, yeah, I think February 2015. So one thing when you're a comic that's really just wanting, like you've kind of, I don't want to say like you've done everything you could in your scene, but you're closing out shows locally and you want to go on the road and you're like, okay, I got my 20 minutes. I got my 30 minutes. I really want to host. I really want to feature. I really want to see if I can do 45 out of town and get some money and like, you know, take not too bad of an L or break even or come back with a small profit. So again, that will lead you to doing a lot of gigs and going a lot of places that you have no business going and that we're like in the middle of it. Cause here's how, you know, you've really worked the road is one also comics stop fucking calling gigs road gigs that are like right like if you in la don't call san diego a road gig if you in the bay area don't call fucking sacramento or santa cruz a road gig okay ice cube had this post on instagram when he was performing in san jose and he said if it's within 500 miles it's a home game okay if fucking ice cube can do that then so so can your bitch ass anyways and I say bitch ass with love. <laughs> so I'm doing it. So I'm like, okay, there's a spot in Phoenix. And by the way, Arizona comedy scene is fucking crazy. I remember doing, um, what was that? Stand up Scottsdale and Howard Hughes's crazy ass. And like Howard Hughes was this wild nigga that owned uh, this comedy club. I would go there and I'd like headline in the small room. And then I'd host in the main room. And then he would do 45 minutes before the headliner. The headliners would be tired as hell. Like, what the fuck was that shit? And complain about on stage. And then Howard would, like, buy people drinks at the end of the night. And he'd be very condescending. And he was a dick. But then he'd give you a compliment. And then you'd be like, oh, wow, that was nice. And <laughs> he was a fucking asshole and crazy as cat shit. And then, um, but yeah, that, that was the gig. And But it was still like, okay, like, you in a hotel, like, next to the fucking club and whatever. And, you know, you... You make the most of it, especially for me. Like, I I remember I brought Rudy O and Trev along with me and like that. You know, we had some fun. And. So this one gig, uh, it's a spot. It was called Crack Ups Comedy. It was some bullshit ass name. It was a really bad website. And I'm just like, should I be doing this? But I saw like some of my peers were doing the gig, too. So, like, I saw Zoltan, I saw Stephen Briggs, so I'm like, all right, if they doing it, then fuck it. And it was like, it was like, okay, four shows each, and so it's like two Friday, two Saturday, and I'm like, yo, okay, I headline it, and he was like, and I kind of, like, knew it was going to be bullshit when he was just, like, when he gave me a bunch of different options for dates, because I'm like, you not tighter with your dates, bro? And then, so that was, like, the first red flag, and the second was, I'm like, all right, so he's like, I got to move you around. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then he was like, and he was over-explaining to me why I needed to move me around. I'm like, no, it's good. Okay, yeah, let's do that date. And then he called me five times about the hotel. And I was like, this sounds like some bullshit, but I already, I already booked my bitch-ass Southwest ticket. So he calls me like a bunch of times, and he's like, well, no, I'm a hotel snob, so I just want to da 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 and his name is, and I, like I said before, I got no problem with Johnny Creel. This nigga, I still have a problem. His name was Sidney Smith. One of the worst fucking niggas I've ever met in this business. So Sidney Smith, uh, he fucking, all that shit, then picks me up at the airport. And I was like, I wasn't hungover, but I was just like really tired from the night before. And he's like, he picks me up in, in his hoopty. 
And he's like, yeah, you know, we got to stop by uh, my house. I got to get my clothes. For the, like, you want to grab a workout with me? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm kind of tired. I'm just trying to get to the hotel, man. And But, like, the way he offered to, to grab a workout, it was it felt more like a power play. It wasn't like, what's up, man? You hoop? Like, you bench, man? Like, like you want to get one in? And I was just like, but it was kind of more like, so do you want to work out with me? And he was like a former military nigga. So, and and that's not to say nothing bad about our our troops, but to say military, law enforcement, you get a certain type of nigga in those uh, in those fields. And this was a certain type of nigga. So he's like, <laughs> so I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And then, well, but but before that, when we was on our way uh, to his house real quick, he was like, um, he was like, uh, yeah, you know, so uh, and this is how I knew the shows were going to be bad. He's like, so, you know, I got this clothing line. And when I heard clothing line, I'm like, oh, God, I'm already here. I'm going to need a lot of liquor to get through this weekend. And he's like, so I got this clothing line. You know, I'm working. I'm, I've managed some artists I'm like, oh. And and then he said like and it was like because you know I did I'm like wait you you do stand up too and I'm like wait oh you're also this is even worse because if, if the nigga was like a, a wannabe Dame Dash Puff Daddy I'd be like all right well, this nigga is Mr Entrepreneur like I don't know he he might get lucky with one of these things out of fucking Phoenix you know sure but no so anyways blah 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 blah. Get to the hotel. After those five fucking phone calls about the hotel, I'm at the Super 8 in, like, North Phoenix, where there's, like, open-air drug dealing. I see fucking Illinois license plates, and niggas just kind of openly serving out of their cars. I see prostitutes. It was, like, the shit looked like the trap spot. And I get in there, and he checks me in. It was the worst, because it's it's not just like, yeah, go there, tell them. Because, like, most gigs with the hotel... It's just like, boom, say who you are. You're with the comedy club because they have people checking in every other week. And then you get the key. You go in, <clears throat> you go in the room. Boom, boom. This case, he had to walk with me like a goddamn chaperone. And then it was like, it was on some like, um, so. And also, I think this is part of the reason why I became so bougie and like so particular about shit. Because I've just dealt with so much bullshit where I'm like, no, not, we're not doing that anymore. So I thank you, Sydney S- Smith, for that. So in Sydney, he's there and he's like, you know, I got an argument. I was going to book you at one place, but I got an argument on the phone with a guy. I'm like, what? nigga, how are you getting into arguments on the phone about hotel reservations, my nigga? Like, ain't you heard of kayak, nigga? So I'm over there and then I'm getting ready to check in. And the guy tells me I'm not allowed to have any guests. You mean I'm all the way to Phoenix away from my fucking mean ass girlfriend at the time and i can't bring no bitches back to the room i'm doing this bullshit ass gig and i can't <laughs> i can't bring back a fucking uh uh i can't bring back some wildcat pussy into my room is that what you telling me nigga so they're like and i'm like dude and i'm like noon it's kind of i'm on the road and i can't bring a girl and they're like yeah we'll kick you out of your fucking room if you so they t- and I think it's because it's obvious that there's been so much fucking prostitution and drug dealing there. They're just like, oh, you can't even bring people in the room at the Super Eight. Worst shit ever. So I'm at that place. I hear all types of shit. It's it's very uncomfortable being. There. I mean, like it's still Phoenix, so like it wasn't like I was on the fucking south side of Chicago, but it was it, it wasn't comfortable. So do the first show and. 
it was inside of this place. And, you know, like the comedy show producer mean like, look at this nigga kind of jerry-rigging this and you know, making it look like some real shit when it's not. So it was at this place where it was like a... It was like a bar. It was like they had pizza, karaoke, juke machines, and they had like a little side room, which he managed to convince the motherfuckers to letting them run a crack ups. And then when you walk in, you see this little makeshift sign that says crack ups. I'm like, oh, look at you trying to make this look like some real shit. All right. All right. Banana in the tailpipe. You got me, nigga. So go in, and then the comics were, it was like, Ugh. Ugh. and then uh they had like after the show and like i just got through it it wasn't like a lot of people there it was just like all right i'm just doing the gig and they were like it was annoying too because i could see like disco bulb lights coming through while i'm on stage and i'm like i should not like you need to cover that bullshit up that i hate distraction shit like that while i'm on stage Especially the person running the production is also a comedian themselves. So, and I didn't watch anybody's. The kid hosting was this dude. His name was uh, is Alex, and he is this is he, he really looked like Nick Cannon. And he had like afro, and man, my man glowed up. It was great. he had like this bossy ass girlfriend with him too, who was like a little bit older, and she's like us. <laughs> I fucking there's no reason for me to mention that. Anyway, so. <laughs> so i need to have him on here just because i want to talk about that i want to talk about that weekend anyway so then at the end of the gig like it's a bunch of like just dry ass pizza and chicken wings it looks like a <laughs> it looks like a kid's party when like you don't even really care about the kid or it's like his mom has the most weekends she left me in charge of the birthday party this year all right and then you just ordered from some like off-brand pizza spot and get some bullshit ass chicken wings so they, and they're like, sure, you want to eat up? Come on, you, you got to eat up, Lyle. You, you, know, you know, it's hard being a stand-up. And then a bunch of people that was, like, in the audience, they're like, yeah, I headlined this show a while back. And I'm like, oh, God, what, what did I get myself into? And then I'm like, so let's go with the 9 p.m. show. And he said, oh, well, the 7 p.m. shows are guaranteed, but the 9 p.m. shows are not guaranteed. I said that in the email. And I'm like, I'm not even going to go back to read if you did. Because I'm whether you did or you didn't, I'm going to get myself angry. So I'm just not going to do that. <clears throat> then, and by the way, like, as you know, like I do, I wasn't as much of a foodie then as I am now. But I really do appreciate myself some good uh, culinary experiences when, I, when I'm on the road. Like trying new shit. When I was out in Scottsdale, I was like, all right, let me mess with y'all little kind of like healthy bowls. And I got myself... Got myself a little Mediterranean, did the Tex-Mex thing, you know. The closest thing was a Burger King where I was. Fucking terrible. So then, uh, Friday show rolls, Saturday show rolls around, and the kid, Alex, good kid, picks me up from the hotel, brings me there, do do do, get ready, do the gig. And this is a better turnout the show. Actual people came to the show. So then, actual people at the show, getting ready, the mood is better. And also was just kind of like, also as being somebody that's ran a lot of shows, I saw him get into a very confrontational argument 
with some customers. He's like, so, so what you want to do? And he was like sticking his chest out. I'm like, that ain't no type of way to talk to your customers. And it's also bad because at the end of the day, they want to see the show. At the end of the day, you want their fucking money, even if they're giving you some bullshit. And also, like, you're an idiot not having somebody else work the door for you. But so you're being confrontational with them, and I'm going to have to deal with them later. So that shit happens. And then they're there, and then backstage, and I said, I'm like, yo, uh, food is food is covered, right? I can order something. And then Sydney says, hell nah, nigga, what the fuck you think this is? And I just looked at, and like, in that situation, like, Myers is like, nigga, who the fuck you talking to, bitch, with your off-brand ass shit? Like, that was my, like, that's obviously was my instinct. But I know niggas like Sydney. I know niggas where they just want to stick out their chest and be hard, but at the end of the day, you're not really hard, okay? That's why you fucking, that's why you moved to Phoenix so you can be like, the most niggery nigga with no niggas. That's why you fucking are in the world of comedy. So you can be the fucking tough guy where there's not a lot of tough guys. I know niggas like you. I know niggas like you got your, you know, actually I ain't going to say shit about it. Let me not bring the niggas women in this, but I know what niggas do. So if I do that, then it's like the Jay Z line. Uh, it's not wise to argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. So I know how to, I, I just flatly said, he said, nigga, what the fuck you think this is? And I just flatly said, a comedy club. You want to be Mr. Businessman? You want to be Mr. I'm entrepreneur. I got all my, got many devices and many moves. I'm going to appeal to that. I'm not going to appeal to all that rah-rah bullshit because I know you ain't even about that life. Because you here, nigga. You here, nigga. So fucking bitch-ass Chappelle show hats, nigga. God, what the fuck is up with these niggas and these goofy hats putting on whack shows? God damn. It's like the R&B, R&B detective and then this fucking guy with this fucking his golf caddy hats and fucking. So I said, thought it was a comedy club. Then he's like, then he gets real quiet and he goes, all right, I got sandwiches in the car. Ham and cheese. What you want? I'm like, what? Ham and cheese? You see, yeah, I got sandwiches in the, I got sandwiches in the trunk. I'm like, nah, man. If you can't even take care of a seventeen dollar burger, it's all good. I don't, I don't want to hurt your wallet, there, man. If you can't even take care of that. And then he goes, all right, all right, get what you want. Cause that's how you appeal to niggas like that, okay? You're like, you know what? If it's gonna hurt you, nigga, da da da. Nah, nah, you can hold that, nigga. And of course, I didn't order shit, cause I'm like, nah, nigga, fuck you. I'm like doing this shit. I'm getting my money, and I'm getting drunk. And I'm getting, I'm in, I'm dealing with Southwest. I'm going to see if they can bump my flight up to earlier. So do the gig. And to, I'm a real nigga. To his credit, Sydney wants to go on before me, obviously. He wants to do, he does 25 before me. And he did like a kind of like, yeah, fuck you, 25. Like, yeah, follow that. I'm not going to lie. He had a good set. I mean, his shit, like, it, it wasn't creative. It wasn't, you know, it was. I've seen that type of content before. I'm not saying he stole jokes. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, like, I get it. But in all fairness, nigga had a good set. It was like, cool. Yeah, you warmed them up for me. Thanks. Like, <laughs> then I go up, and I have, like, a really, really, good, really good set, which I needed at that time. I needed that weekend. I had a really good set. 
I wouldn't say I killed it, but it, it was fine. I did my job. So then show's over, blah, 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 hollered him, and I'm like, and then with the money, I'm like, yeah, it was supposed to be this much. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, that's only if all them shows happened. And I was like, all right, man, whatever, give me the money. And then it was like, it was like 100 a show, because I thought I was getting 400 for like, I thought I, was, I thought I was getting 100 a show. And get to 200, whatever. And I have $195 in cash. I'm like, yo, man, you short $5. Reaches in his wallet, gives me the extra $5. And then, oh, yeah. And then the thing is, I was like, uh, so, so what are we doing? We doing um check, electronic payment? He's like, well, cash would be easier for me. And I was like, I bet, nigga. <laughs> gives me the shit. And then at the end of the night, I'm, I'm over here with a bunch of people who enjoyed the show. And they're all talking to me like, oh, you're great. You're great. And the comics, and he's over with like his woman and who, whoever the fuck else came to came to support him or probably support his relationship. And <laughs> all right, I, I had to get that one off. I had to get that one off. Niggas trash. So that shit happens, and <laughs> and then <laughs> that was the one time, and I've never done this in my life before or after. The one time I did not shake the promoter's fucking hand. I did not say anything. I just bounced. I was like, I ain't got shit to say to you because your energy is fucking terrible. Just the bare. And then later, with niggas in, um, in the Phoenix comedy scene, in the Tucson comedy scene, I was just like, yo, you know, like, you know this guy? And they're like, dude, he's the fucking worst. Like, he was like running an open mic there and like we drove all the way from two and he made one guy. He was like, no, you need to put on a dress shirt in order to perform at this open mic. Like, dude, it's only comics here. And like, he was just tiring on that bullshit. But you know, you get what you pay for. So the next worst gig I did, I don't even want to say it was the worst gig I did, but it was one of those things where it just ate away at the core of who Lyle Barron's is. So it was in Fresno, California. And it was this gig. And like a lot of, I got I got hip to it because Sammy Obey would do it. You'll hear that name later. Because Sammy would do the gig when going uh, to and from L.A. to the Bay. And he'd be like, all right, let me stop in Fresno. You know, get some stage time, pick up some quick money. Da, 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 and keep moving so what i did so i was like all right all right let me try this gig out and then i bring rudy ortiz we go down there and we do thursday and friday there and the shows were fine there was no mishap with i can't even i cannot even remember what i got paid it was it wasn't enough for me to be like oh i want to do that shit again but it was enough where i was like that's solid cool yeah I'll, I'll, yeah all right so the promoter that man would not shut the fuck up like it was so like the boy would gossip about other comics gossip about comics that stayed with him and it was just like how much information just about nothing you cared about this nigga wanted to share this dude danny minch because i remember it was like the first night we stay at um my guy greg g williams spot then the next night we stay at danny's uh spot so after we do the gig on Friday, it was it was like 
at the gig, we go to some bar, and this is and like here's the thing: when you a comic and you do a road, when you do like a gig that's like really far, that is let's say at least like it's the distance where you would justify getting a hotel or spending the night after doing the gig, at least that far. So one of the perks is. That you get hooked up with free drinks, like whether from audience members, the promoter, you stay where you at. And it was like, all right, well, I'm not even getting hooked up with free drinks. And this motherfucker's talking her ear off. And we ain't really around no girls. And, and like, this is a thing that will happen to this when you do those types of gigs. They're like kind of in the middle of like nowhere and don't have like a big comedy club in town. Is a lot of the promoters will use that as kind of their like comedy summer camp. And then it's like, all right, I get to like really be with the guys that are in the mix day to day. And they just wanted to like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And they, and it's kind of like, I don't want to say like they, they want to tell their word stories, but you know, they want to like really fucking relate to you and get points and all that. And I, I just don't care about that shit. And this, I remember like this happened and this is also why I'm like going through a breakup, still talking to my ex. So like my head was already in like not the best place. So like I just my tolerance for like listening to niggas talk about themselves was just like really low. And well, I mean it still is, but it it you know. So we're at this bar and Danny just won't stop talking. And I said, Hey Rudy, let me get the keys to the car. I go in, close my eyes, recline my seat back, listen, listen to some music, go on YouTube. I'm gone for two hours. I come back, the nigga's still talking. And like Rudy's not, and Rudy is the king of dominating conversation. He's like, no, blood, listen, like it could, the Aztecs, because when you think about the people in power, and then like, you know, who fucking <laughs> who'll say some questionable shit about Martin Luther King, like, you know. <laughs> say some borderline anti-semitic shit like you know rudy so <laughs> shout out rudy ortiz he's gonna be he's gonna be on again soon so rudy is uh Ru rudy's just being the polite mexican playing the game and i'm like i can't like if this nigga doesn't have me back because i don't want to listen to him talk then so be it so all that happens and then we and then this is probably bad on my part and probably a little rude but I'm at the bar and I just walk away. So <laughs> I go to another part to drink because <laughs> I just can't. And we're staying with the guy, which kind of is a little bit asshole on my part. But you can't talk that much. OK. And then he's also like gossiping about other niggas. And I'm kind of like, I don't want to wind up in your gossip reel. Like the Lyle Barons came through here like, nigga, no. And then it's like, I'm. So then we go to his hotel, get ready to sleep. And. uh, Well. I want to get ready to sleep. He has like, this should come as no surprise. Danny has like a Costco level amount of liquor, like, like actual bottles from Costco where it's like, it's not like your, your average bottle of Jack Daniels or, or Tito's. It's like, it's like the real big shit. He's like, yeah, help yourselves. And I'm like, well, if you're going to be talking all this damn much, I'm going to raid your liquor cabinet. And then, so I'm just pouring myself drinks, uh, fucking, drunk messaging and texting bitches and swiping on fresno tinder which is fresno tinder and bumble not a not really a place you want to find yourself it's like just a lot of kids just just women that shouldn't have kids a certain like hey, you, you 28 and have four kids wow and you're white <laughs> so 
that's why I found myself. And then Rudy's just like listening. And then I'm just like, I'm like still, but I can't go to sleep because they still talking. And we're like sleeping in the room. We're sleeping in like the living room. So I just keep drinking until like I just pass out or so it's more tolerable. Because you know when a motherfucker just talks so much, you start to hate their voice. It was like that. So anyways, that happened. Then in the morning, this motherfucker's like, yeah, man, there was this, uh, there's this vegan restaurant and like make great, great food. And it was like vegan. It's really good. And they did like this. And it was like just some like, some like Spike TV brunch fruit. It was like, it's a French toast with hash browns, sausage, biscuits, gravy, works. And then he makes it like he cooks for us. And it's like, come on, Lyle, the man going to cook for you. How are you going to complain about the man cooking for you? He gives us like a stack of food. And then like Rudy being like the good, Rudy ate all that shit because he's Mexican. Like, and then later he's like, and I didn't like, I, I ate as much as I could, like just enough to soak up the alcohol. And then I'm just like, look, and I left like a stack of food and Rudy cleaned his plate. So he just looks up. Like, <laughs> I'm just picturing like in his most racist mind, like, you know, Mexicans are better guests than black people. Like they listen to your stories, they eat your food and then they don't want to hear you. You cook for them and you make, they like gravy and they don't even, <laughs> and they use up all your hot sauce. <laughs> so then he's doing all that. And then Rudy's like, and, oh yeah. And this is what fucking got me. Rudy's like, blood, we don't like Danny. You, you know, Rudy's like, blood, you're not gonna have none, Danny. And then he's like, oh no, no, I don't, I don't, I can't eat like that anymore. But you guys enjoy, like, nigga, what the fuck? <laughs> so, anyways, that was just like an expense. That wasn't even like, like, I don't want to say the word because I, I got no beef with Danny. He's not, he's not on my shit list like fucking Sydney Smith is. But oh boy. Yeah, that that was uh, not enjoyable. Okay, so the next worst one was... And we're doing this in chronological order, by the way. So I want to say... This actually might have been a little before... A little, I want to say this is after. This could have been 2017. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Actually, let me look up on my uh, my tagged Facebook photos to find out when I actually did this fucking gig. But so my guy, uh, Corey Showtime Robinson was, he was like, Hey Lyle, I got this gig. Oh wait, I found the, it was March, 2016. I did this bullshit. Oh yeah. So this is like, again, in the midst of my breakup, but still talking to my ex, a lot of weird shit going on. So at that time, like there were two phases of like, you know, I had like, I realized this about myself in, in my, uh, illustrious standup career is I had two phases of saying yes to shit. I shouldn't have said yes to. There's like the one phase of where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't say yes, but it's good for you to do these gigs. And then you're just so in the habit of doing those gigs that you say yes anyways to like a shitty casino that's all the way out in Oregon or flying some bullshit place you would you shouldn't be after a certain point. Then there's the other phase of me saying yes to gigs I shouldn't have said yes to because I just like I just need to be busy. Yeah, I just need to be on stage. I just uh, I just don't want to be in my head and I don't want to be at home. And this is like 2016, so like black people and Charlemagne the guy we wasn't on that mental health kick like that. So this is like March 2016. And Corey comes to me and he's like, and this is when me and Corey are both living in LA. 
and we're at i remember we was at roscoe's chicken and waffles and we was like just chopping it up he's like he just got confirmed to do this casino gig just like up north and he's like hey want to do it with me and he uh i was like i don't know man and he's like man come on give you like dude you just sit in the car smoke weed and then 150 dollars, and then we head right back and i was like yeah all right then and it was like it was like something like six months from then so like i wasn't even thinking like that uh, it was just like yeah i don't know like and then six months roll by i'm like all right cool i guess i'm doing the gig then go up do the and it's in redding california and that gig is it is what it is it's 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 a money run and you know i i once actually got food poisoning uh from that gig last time i did it but so do the gig, stay in the hotel room, and we're like, all right, and then we head back. Corey, this fucking trickster, he comes, and he's like, oh, uh, we also got some shows in Oregon. I'm like, nigga, I don't want to go to fucking Oregon. And, like, he, like, hijacked me. And I'm like, you fucking serious? And he's like, no, nah, I don't need. And I'm like, you realize you tell me? He's like, yeah, yeah, I realize that, but yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll get free weed. And... <laughs> And to like keep, and for like context, Co- shout out Corey Robinson. Corey is like, and I said this to his face. I said, you know the thing about you, you're kind of like a black Bobby Hill. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, are you saying that? Oh, he's like, why are you saying that? Because I'm short and I'm fat. I'm like, well, no, not just that. But no, because it's like you're from like this kind of small town. You're like really hammy. You know, you really want people to know how dope you are like yeah, yeah bobby hill so doing these gigs and then i am like just really not enjoying myself and i was wearing like glasses at the time i like had a beard i was like wearing sweaters i didn't know who the fuck i was and i was like i looked at myself in the mirror one time when i was high as hell and i was i was wearing glasses and we did one gig where there's like all right the the, the sponsors is dispensary and I was wearing like a dispensary hat and then just looking at myself in the mirror like, who are you? Like, I didn't, it was like the one time in my life I looked in the mirror and I was really uncomfortable with what I saw. And I, you're talking to Sony, it's like gained a bunch of weight, lost a bunch of weight, weight fluctuates. I've had bad haircuts. That was the one time I really did not like what I saw in the fucking mirror. <laughs> and it would take, and I, and I was like, God, I look like I'm a nigga from Oregon. It's the worst shit ever. So we do these gigs, and there was like this one, and we're with this one guy. Um, was uh Alex Elkin, who who actually won the SF International Comedy Competition a few years ago, and Alex was, and it was wild. Like I don't know if I should be. Well, fuck it, I saw it. So we went to Alex's house, and he's got like you know a lot of space, obviously, because you know it's Oregon, and he lived in like Medford. I don't wherever the fuck he lived, and. You know, was smoking weed, and then his wife comes out holding the baby, and they just smoking weed right next to the baby. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, this is like, why people can like really get away with doing some ghetto shit?" Because it's like, if niggas was smoking weed in front of a baby, it'd be like, you know, I, I'm sure he's a great parent, but it was like, it was just like, I was, and Corey was just sitting there casually. I was like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, where, where did you take me, nigga?" Like. I, I was like paranoid, like child services was gonna bust in at that moment. So 
we do and Alice was just like having a bad day. I remember we actually went to this Hawaiian spot and it was like it was the one place that had some spicy Hawaiian food. Yeah, your big ass would remember some shit about some Hawaiian food on, in Oregon. But yeah, I did. And so we had that spot and Alex was just kind of, and kind of being a dick, but he had like a bad day. He had some shit going on. At least he got better later. And it was I could tell I just met him on a bad day. And or maybe he is a dick. I don't know. <coughs> and Anyway, so like we're doing that, and then Corey is like in charge of booking. Hold- I'm like, nigga, I'm not sleeping in no car, and because you hijacked me, like, nigga, you booking these rooms. And he's like, I got you, I got you. And then later he's like, so Alex, can we crash with you in your room? And Alex is like, no. And then I'm like, nigga, why would you even ask that? Like, so um, so fast forward, we're uh we're doing this one gig and. Corey's like in uh Springfield, Oregon. And Corey's doing like a spot on it. And I was just, and I assume like, all right, I'm getting up at all these shows as I'm running around. And Alex had like a really bad encounter with the promoter. Like, and the promoter was like this this like real egghead cop. Like he, you know, he was like one of them white dudes that dressed like he was in the nation of Islam. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like real nerdy looking white guy. And he's like, he got offended somehow. And I was like, I thought I was doing a guest spot. And he's like, well, Alex did not communicate that to me. I'm talking to Corey. I'm like, what's up? He's like, oh, you got to figure that out. Like, nigga, you cannot. And I was like a little pissed off at Corey because I'm like, all right, if you hijack me to take me on some gigs, you are kind of my, like, you need to have my back throughout all times. Because this is some fucked up shit because I I don't like Oregon. So I'm looking for you to have my back. And he didn't really have my back. And he's like, oh, well, good luck. I'm like, let's see, you get free food, nigga? And he's like, oh, sucks for you. It wasn't like, all right, have some of my fries, nigga. So, you know, I, I didn't, good guy, but I thought he could have handled that better. So, for what the situation was. So, I'm like, so, and he's like, well, Alex never communicated to me that there's a guest. I'm like, oh, I'm like, and I could tell it was one of those situations where the guy just needed a little bit of respect. Because he's like, all right, I got this headliner I'm bringing in. And he's bringing in these two guys. And this guy is kind of being shitty or the headliner is kind of being is having a bad day or just being a dick and whatever that whatever their situation, because I didn't wasn't privy to it. So I was like, this guy needs some respect. I'm like, oh, I'm, would it be all right if I do a guest spot? I'd be I'd really like if you had me. I mean, I came all the way here and he took five seconds, had his arms folded. He said, yes, yes, you can perform. I'm like, thank you so much. He's like, you're welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> I was like, that's all the nigga needed. He just needed a little attaboy and did my little spot on that shit. And we did that one. And then we did this other gig. And this is again, like, I was like, where the fuck am I? Then we go back to like Medford or some shit. We do this other gig. And it was really like, I'm sitting there at the table and Corey's supposed to close out the show. And I'm sitting there at the table and then I'm sitting next to this guy, this white kid, and he's like very, I don't want to say a wigger, because there's like a certain type of white dude, you know, where it's like, they're definitely influenced by like a combination of like hip hop culture, skateboard culture, like that Dogtown and Z-Boy shit, and where it's like, I don't want to say like, because they don't say nigga, probably, or at least not around me, but they have tattoos, so you can tell they're like, so anyways, this guy's telling me how he just got out of jail. 
and serving some shit on a drug distri- distribution charge. And normally when white boys or like just people that ain't black tell me shit like that, I'm like, all right, you're trying to show off. You're trying to get some points from me or whatever. But this motherfucker was just genuinely talking about what he is into. And I find out his dad or his dad or stepdad is the owner of the venue that we performing at. And then he's he's like, yeah, you know, sell weed, make some, and he's telling you how much money you can make. He's like, man, you should like move up here, man. Sell sell some fucking yeah, sell drugs. And I'm like, you shouldn't be talking to talent like this when you're related to the owner. I don't. Again, where the fuck am I? Like Oregon is the most white nigger state ever. So it's state of Jefferson. They should call that shit the the state of honky nigger. So. Over there, he gets like a big plate of fried rice. And he's like, come on, you want some? And then he's just giving me a bunch of fried rice and telling me I should sell drugs. And I'm like eating this fried rice made by white people. <laughs> it's just fucking it's got like big chunks of ham in it and shit. And then I get on stage and I'm like, it was, I had like one of those really, well, I'm going to make the most of this gig ever. And I, I had like a really good set and get off stage and Corey's like, Man, why the fuck would you? It's like, damn, I'm gonna have to work hard. And I'm like, nigga, like, not, no, you don't. No, this is easy for you. You should be saying thank you. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then Corey goes on. Corey has a good set. We're happy. And then this lady is, <laughs> this big ass white woman is with this fucking, with this skinny dude, is, and she's getting us drinks, getting us high as shit. And we're like on the porch getting high having drinks, and she very clearly wants to fuck me. She told me later on Facebook how she wanted to fuck me. And that... <laughs> so, we're doing... And then, among some other things, that she... Well, she was like, when I'm... I was just like, man, why are we, like, getting high with these crazy people? But I get it. Like, we want some free shit because we came all this way. But that's... Like I said on the very first episode, be wary of the free gift bag. So... Yeah, then we get back, and I'm like, it was just a bad gig, because I got, like, hijacked to go to Oregon. I was seeing all this, like, Caucasian coonery that I wasn't, like, prepared to see. Because it's like, I'm used to seeing, like, some, some ghetto shit and some hood shit, and it's like, I got I braced myself for it. Like, when I'll go to, like, the, uh, the real nigga barbershop in West Oakland, I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna have a few drinks, smoke a little bit. I need to make myself a little retarded, deal with all you, like, true to life retarded niggas but when i see white people doing that shit oh hell, i wasn't ready for that i will say it was fucking beautiful though it was beautiful it was very scenic that is the one good thing i can say about it yeah and then and then i remember it was one night i was like i was trying to grab some food and then shit closed early it was just uh hey bad times bad times Okay, this one is going to get a little bit more serious. So now we move to, I want to say, April of 2017. Me and Sammy obeyed. He's headlining. I'm featuring Comedy Born Chicago. Now we do this gig and it's two shows Friday, three shows Saturday, one show Sunday. I get it on. I get in on Sunday to go do some shows around locally and just get a feel for the city catch a vibe i get in late and then all i did like 
one spot and then grabbed a drink somewhere, saw Wrigley Field at night. It's cool. Cold as hell. And the gigs are great. Like, the shows are great. Uh, I killed every show. It was knocked it out the park. Everybody did great. Now, fast forward to some time has passed, and I'm talking to uh, the lady who was supposed to be promoted to general manager. I want to come there to, like, headline a week in there. That's why I came as a feature, because I'm like, all right, then if I can get in as a headliner here, that'd be great. Fast forward a year, almost a year since it happened, or like a little before that, I see Sammy's back there. He posts like he's back, and I'm like, nigga, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and then he's like, yo, man, I got some bad news. Um, dude, Sahar, the the owner of uh, the comedy bar, she said, like, you know, you ran up like a $1,500 bar tab. And you were like, you were talking to the waitresses when she didn't want to be, they didn't want to be talked to him. Like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, dude, relax. I know it's bullshit. Dude, this is some Persian bullshit. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because what I did was I came for context, came in and like, I assume like, well, you niggas ain't giving, putting us up in no hotels. Normally when that's the situation, food and beverages are taken care of. And I was tipping like $10 after every drink at the end of shows. I'd like tip 20 because I'm like, all right, if I have, I'm going to have like the wait staff back. They have my back. All good. And they, and there was like one, and it was the Sunday show because I was just like bored and shit. I was like, cute little waitress. She's like, I was like, she's like, you're really funny. I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, you want to grab a drink when you get off? And she's like, oh, I can't. I'm 19. I'm like, all right, you want to grab something to eat? And like, and, She's like, oh, I can't. I got to study. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, thank you. And I walked the fuck away. Like, where she walked the fuck away. Because I was just sitting down and she came up to me. That was it. And then everything else was just me being like, oh, what's up? How's that, man? So where you guys go here? And just me being friendly. And Sammy's like, no, I saw you were just being affable and friendly the whole weekend. No, Yes, I saw you tipping. And Sammy's like, no, trust me. This is just some Persian bullshit where what it is is he was supposed to do the gig for a certain amount of money and he asked for like another $500 more and she gave it to him. And he said, but her doing this is her way of getting back at me. So you're the sacrificial lamb for me. And I'm like, I mean, not that he like intended to serve me up, but just like, that's what that is. And that made me cold. I liked, cause I thought in my head, I'm like, Oh, this shit went great. And then I turned into a cold motherfucker after that. Like, really, Trenton Davis was the guy that kind of got me out of that. Because then after that, when I was doing gigs, and keep in mind, this is 2017. So this is when Me Too is happening. So, I mean, you can't say nothing like Lyle said, like, hey, y'all want to eat this dick? You know, like, let me rub my meat up on you. Or, you know, he, he grabbed because I ain't touched nobody. I ain't say nothing inappropriate. He's like, well, Lyle was talking to... And he ran up a and like they made it sound like I'm just like nigga who's just or drinking up all that Hennessy and talking to like where the bitches where the Hennessy nigga and it's like if there's a limit on the tab you supposed to tell talent oh uh the tab is up and then we say okay and we pay or we don't you know but again it was it was, once Sammy explained that to me I understood it but then after that like honestly I really went through like a 
that shit brought me to a, like a depression, honestly, because I'm like, damn, I thought I did everything right. And then I was just like, I shut every like when I performed and I was out, I was like, I ain't talking to nobody. I ain't fucking like and I probably came off like a dick quite a bit because like people probably thought I was a fucking asshole because I was on some shit when like, man, don't talk to me. I was just like. Especially like women wait staff. I was like, this is me too shit going. I don't want to talk to nobody, especially after I I felt like I did everything right. I tipped. I was friendly. I tipped very generously, especially for a feature. Cause I oh, this is a little sidebar. So I remember years ago, uh, this is like 2014. I'm doing comedy hideaway in Santa Barbara, and this dude, Andre Belikoff, he's like, and Andre was like really annoyingly passive aggressive. Cause he thought like it made him like smart and cunning, but it just really made him more annoying. But he did have some wisdom. And one thing he was like, so, um, when you drink, uh, when you tip. And then I was like, bro, what the fuck are you getting at? Are you telling me I need to tip more? And then it was, I'm not even, I'm going to spare you guys the rigmarole that he put me through. Cause it made my head hurt. So, and he's like, yeah. So I was trying to find out like, so did every tip good? And they're like, well, who can stand tip better? And like, oh, well, Lyle could and I'm like okay just say that and then he was saying to me because it's like if you're a black comic or a Mexican comic and you tip just like a little bit above average once like the staff will love you and that's the thing for comics is you do want the staff to love you because if it's a situation where like oh somebody dropped out who should we get let's go get the good tipping nigga so that's why I was like to, and that's like why I've always been a good tipper wherever I've been performing so that shit happened. And I look at it like, oh, well, this shit is fucking rigged, y'all. I'm, I was like, I thought, like, y'all would have my back. And then, fuck all y'all, you know? And I'm not saying that, like, me tipping $20 entitles me to fucking flirt with every skirt working the floor. You know, I'm not implying, I'm not insinuating that because it don't. But I'm just saying, like, damn, nigga. So, I was checked out. I, I do gigs, and I would, like... Not, I'm like just I, I would be on some Mike Pence shit. <laughs> like, I ain't talking to no woman without my lawyer in the fucking room. I was like, hell no. Like I I'll talk to women that came to the show, but staff fuck and it got to the point where like I would really just talk to the headliner, the host, or if I was the headliner, or if I was the host, like I just talked to the comics, I talked to the booker, and that was it. I wouldn't talk to anybody else. And then I'm doing, this is like February 2018, I want to say, maybe March. And I'm doing Last Comedy Cafe with Trenton Davis. And I'm still just in my like lockdown, I'm locked down Lyle. Like you ain't getting, walk in, sit in the green room, sit at the bar. Yeah, let me get that. And after every drink. Do I owe you anything? Do I owe you anything? You know, nah, you good. Now nah, you good. Cool. Cool. Tip $2. Fuck you niggas fucked up $20 tip lie, all right? Chicago ruined that for you. Just like Chicago ruins a lot of things. So, I'm there. And Trenton, great energy. And even though he was going through some shit, I was going through my shit. He's like, how's it going? And because Trenton, one thing about Trenton and the show ain't going to stop for that nigga. So 
and when I say show, I mean the show in business and the business in show. So he's coming in and he's like shaking on the side. Hi, how's it going? Trenton, nice to meet you. Hi, Trenton, nice to meet you. And I'm like, young nigga, I'm in the corner. And <clears throat> excuse me. And then like, and this was like just something the impact that that had on me. And I was there was like this door, uh, this chick working the door, young white girl. And oh, this is also an interesting aside that I got to say before I say my interaction with her. Some kid that was like uh, in the kitchen, we saw him get fired on the spot because he asked her if she sucks dick. It was like the, it was like some reality show shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, dude, the Me Too movement already happened. Like, you still asking bitches at work shit like this? Again, Arizona's crazy. And then he got fired on the spot, and then he was just walking around waiting for his check. And he's walking around still with his fucking, like, Laughs Comedy Cafe uniform on and a dish rag over his shirt. Just walking around waiting for his check, smiling. It's like, well, that's one way to get fired. So she and like I that girl did not deserve to get asked if she sucks dick at work. However, kind of tell she was a bitch. So I came in one day, like because we just do two shows Friday and Saturday, which is really annoying. Like them niggas need to add a Thursday or Sunday show. So, but again, like all B comedy clubs are fucking cheap. So I walked by the first time. And I'm like getting ready to, uh, you know, just hit the bar, the green room. And she's like, excuse me, excuse me, sir. I need to see your ID. I'm like, I'm the only nigga in Tucson. There is a poster outside with my face and my name. And I just looked at her and I said, that's funny. And I kept walking. <laughs> and then the second shot, and then she did that shit again. And then I just, I just kept walking. I'm like, I'm not even acknowledging you. And again, like in retrospect, like did I come off as an asshole in that moment? Maybe, but like I'm not like my ID molested you. I'm not playing that game. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, that shit fucked me up. So, anyways, I told Trenton about what happened, and Trenton's like, "Man, look, let me talk. To I know her very. I know Sahar well. I know, and I can fix it." And I was like, "Man, you ain't gotta do all that shit," but. My point being was that that shit that happened where Sammy had whatever business dealings I wasn't privy to and uh, me and him saying it's like that's how Persians do is like mm, Persians will take out one of your people's shit. Now we move to September 8th, 2017. My birthday month also. And when I say my birthday month, I don't mean it like in a white girl way where it's like everything should go perfect for me because I was born on a day that takes place four weeks from now. I don't mean it in that way. I mean it in a come on, man, don't be fucking up around my birthday month. Come on, just give a brother a little breathing room. I mean it in that way. So nine, eight, seventeen. Me and my guy, Clay Newman, were doing a gig in Humboldt County. And if you don't know, Humboldt is where, like, I want to say 90% of the weed in California comes from and and beyond. So 
we're, I'm headlining. Clay is driving slash featuring. And we're doing this gig in Garberville. And we are performing at some performing arts center where they do like concerts and shit. So we get in. And also, this is a, a particular thing with me. And I don't mean to shade Clay, but Clay is a coon f- from Ventura. So his palate is not as refined. So we're on the road. Nigga, we eating gas station burritos and going to Taco Bell and shit like that. I'm like, oh, no, Lyle Barron's needs a nice sit-down restaurant, okay? Lyle Barron's needs. Oh, come on, man. I'm not fancy like you, Lyle. You know, so anyway, so they have us. This ain't about Clay, though. But so we're staying at this really fucking awful place. It is called, it was called the Sherwood Inn in Garberville. And the place, like. It's 2017, and we actually had, like, a room key. Not, like, a card key, but a fucking room key. So I'm like, this is going to be some bullshit. So we stay in, It's, like, two beds. It looks exactly what you think it looks. It looks like we're, like, going town to town doing drug deals or, like, robbing banks or shit. And, like, we got to stay low, low profile, so we're going to stay in a piece of shit spot. So with them being there, when especially, like, single guys like us that like to be out... The first thing that we do is we're like, all right, let's go hit a bar. We were denied fucking service, and it's Garberville, so it's like the whole, it's not even really fair to call it a downtown. It's just like a strip of some businesses. So we want to, it's like, that's, well, so much for having a drink. <laughs> like, we were sitting there, and it was like, we were looked at, and then it was like, how you doing? And then they just walked back, and they literally denied us service. Then later... We're like, all right, well, we can't get shit at a bar. So we're like, all right, let's go to a convenience store and get um, a pack of beers. So then get ready to get some beers. And we're in line. And then this fucking <laughs> white dude comes up. He passes by in a cowboy hat. And he passes by us. And he says, Muslim. <laughs> like, yo. It was like I couldn't even get because I'm like one, I'm not a Muslim, and it's like if he said like nigger, like I'd be like, all right, we got to fight now. Like moon cricket, I'm like, what's up, cracker? But if he said coon, I'd be like, you right? But he's he's like Muslim. Like that is the funniest shit. And like my hair was cut short, so it was extra funny. And he thought he probably thought I was like a real Muslim, not one of those like niggas in the hood that catch like four bodies and then go to jail, but they got away with them four bodies and they feel bad about it. So like, all right, I'm going to be a Muslim and me like praying to Allah is going to wash over my sins. All right, nigga. Anyway, <laughs> so that shit happened, right? And we're like, God damn, you cannot. And I was like paranoid. Like, I was like, oh, shit, this feels like one of them sundown towns. And for my listeners uh, that are not black, for my listeners in Brazil. Yo, Brazil. I see you, Brazil. Shout out, Brazil. We, we got a good number of listeners in Brazil. Shout out y'all, man. I'm going to have to come down there and, and coon with y'all. But for y'all that don't know what a sundown t- town is, a sundown town is an expression from the old days, you may have seen this if you've seen the movie, not the movie, the TV show. Um, what was that TV show that was on HBO? Uh, Aria, what was that show? The- no, yeah. West yeah. Um, shit, I'm going to have to look it up. But, um, shit, what, what was that? Bo- Damn, I hate when this shit like this. What was 
does the show. <laughs> I hate when that happens in real life, so I'm not going to do that to y'all on the pod. But um, look up Jesse Samolier's sister, and then you'll find it. Anyways, so a sundown town is essentially a town where it's like, if you black, there's no protection from you from the law, and people take shit. And, they, and basically, like the Lovecraft country. Lovecraft country. So it was like a Lovecraft country. They showed you what a sundown town was on Lovecraft country. And it's basically a town where it's like, if you black, you don't get fucked up in that town. And those aren't like as big as they once were, but they still exist. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in a sundown town in California where all the weed is. I figured like the weed would have knocked out a little bit of racism where it's like, all right, I'm going to get high. And like, you still got energy to hate niggas after getting high. So that shit happened. And then I was like paranoid in the room and shit. Then I get on stage, and the gig is, um, well, it's what you would think it would be. It was like, it was kind of like that St. Clair theater shit in, um, Modesto, where it's like you're performing, like the ceilings are way too high for comedy. I hate performing in place. All comedians, we hate performing in venues with high ceilings. You know, I kind of wonder if, like, that's also when people critique a lot of Kevin Hart specials, and they're like, Kevin Hart ain't funny, and say shit like that. When Kevin does these specials in stadiums, it's like, I'm not saying, like, he needs to do a gig at, like, he needs to do his next special at the fucking comedy cellar in front of 30 people, but just saying, like, ceilings really do have an effect. Anyways. So it's probably, it seats, I don't know, Shaggy just got done performing there before we got there. So I'm going to say it probably seats about, probably fit 300 up in there. And it was probably like 40, 50 people in there, all spread out, like socially distanced before social distance. So I'm going to stay, and like Clay, Clay does fine, and it was like, it, it, it was like one of those, hey, it is what it is gigs. And they also let us know ahead of time, like, just so you know, the people here, they get really, really high. So if you're not getting the last you want, it's not that you're bombing, but we've had people where they, like, they got to, like, I hate those gigs, too, where they got to, like, let performers know, hey, so this audience is a little different. It's like, no, it's like you laugh and that's it. You shouldn't be explaining to me, like, so they might throw something on stage, but that's their way of saying they appreciate you. Fuck it. Like, nigga, it's a terrible audience. And this goes back to what I said. Audience, promoter, comics, staff, all four parties need to be doing their job in order for it to be good. So... He gets up there. He does what he does. I get up there and Clay did fine. They liked him. And then I get on stage and I'm like, I'm bobbing and weaving out of crowd work. And then at one point I said, hey, so um, here's what happened when we got in. I got called a Muslim and I got refused service at a bar. So um, I-, I can't really bomb. You guys are racist. I made up my mind. You guys suck. So if you guys laugh. That's a bonus. I'm just here so I get paid. I'm going to do my 45 minutes, and then I'm getting the fuck out of this funky-ass town, okay? And then I just I talked shit about the town, and it was like, it was fine. Like, it was it was what it was. It's like, in my mind, like, I'd be like, oh, no, I did great. But it's like, no, nigga, like, keep it real. Like, do you really think they wanted to hear some nigga come all the way <laughs> from fucking Oakland, California, and talk shit about their town? Of course not. So, and say some real shit. So it was what it was and get off stage. And the guy that was 
bartending at the show and and like at these like theater performing arts venue spots it's not like your typical bar it's like they have like the if you've been to shows like this you know they'll it'll be like bottles of the liquors that they have and bottles of the beer and they're like what do you want and they reach down and pour you that so he's like he's like oh i actually own that spot and i'm like oh i then like you fucked up he's like i own that place like i don't care nigga like (laughs) you need to get you some hr or something so he tells me it and he like apologizes and he's like dude whatever and then he's like just pouring me pouring me drinks and then he's uh he's like you want to come through i apologize for all that and i was like okay okay like you know then he's like that's not me i would have never done that and he's like there's no excuse for that and i'm like that was like because you know humble was one of those places i did it because so many comics told me like oh humble's fucking great you get a bunch of free weed and the only free weed we got was um from our boy luigi diaz shout out luigi diaz luigi he was like trimming up there and then he was just like hey, i got a bunch of shit for you and then he just gave us some weed and it was funny because clay's ass was going he's like hey he was going up to people like people were like you're really funny he's like you got any weed yeah just checking <laughs> shout out clay and then after the show where they're like two bar they're like two or three bars and we're walking in between all of them the nightlife sucked it, there was like a big thing of Jenga, but there was this one dude after the show who was like a, a grower, trimmer, whatever the fuck he was. And he, you know, like when you go to like places like Oregon or Humboldt, where like these white people in like the, the weed growing and trimming business, they'll tell like they'll tell you how much money they make and be like, yeah, I got, I got it. And it's like because they'll be dressed like. You know, and not in the like, well, Bill Gates doesn't have on Jordan, so why do you, nigga? Not that kind of way that, like, when black people, we say that stupid shit. But, I mean, in a, like, a, they really look like some fucking farmers. Well, in all fairness, they are farmers. So, anyways, this is a dude, and he's got this fine-ass wife with him, too. Like, she's, like, got a really nice ass, and it's, like, it's one of those things you kind of hate. As like when you're like single and you're performing and you're like a long part away. Cause like one thing when you do these gigs, you don't do these gigs thinking you're gonna walk away with some pussy because it rarely goes like that. But you really hope you do. And it's very distracting when it's like, man, this he got like the baddest bitch in here and she's with him, and we just gotta look at her all night. Like, this is kind of torturesome. This is a little torturous. So he's doing that. And then Luigi's like, hey, uh, let's do a fucking uh, shot of what was it? We did like a 20 year age tequila that was like so damn smooth. And we're doing shots of that. And like, I was like, oh my God. And it was something like, I want to say it was like $100 a shot. And he just was like, all right, you want to do another round? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I was like, cool guy, wife, great ass. But yeah, that gig. Then after the show, we go to this diner. Diner was terrible. And like, I don't have high expectations for diner food. But when you like fuck up some potatoes, when it's like this, and just 
y'all didn't boil them right. Y'all didn't cook. I I was pissed off, man. Went all the way for that, and then the only weed we got was from a nigga we know from Oakland. I was like, what the fuck? Because like the way these other kind. And to be fair, I am definitely a more uh metropolitan comic. If you catch my drift, and like the comics who did these gigs, they're like. Very like, yeah, we do a pool party, Savage Henry, you know, you fucking smoke weed, we hang out. And I was like, and we didn't see any other Humboldt comics, so that could have been part of the reason we wasn't hooked up. But I don't think it was that. I think it was because I'm black and uh, Humboldt's racist. <laughs> so that shit happened. You know, one thing that was like, I found, like, there were like some like little bad, like, south american central american bitches just like walk i'm like how are these like fucking like foreign latin broads like how the fuck did y'all get them here in the forest around all these crazy crackers like how'd y'all do that and then somebody explained to me like it was like something about like jobs and immigration and iu pairs and like that's how they get them out there and i'm like Damn, that's like <laughs> I was like, these white boys got all the good shit. Like niggas making <laughs> niggas making cash money hand over fist, and you it's like weed, so you know a bunch of and like if they trimming and growing, you know they selling shit on the side that's not getting taxed. And then you got all these like just imported Latin women coming in and out of here. Like, what the fuck are y'all so angry about? Why y'all hate the black man? Like, I'm just coming through here to tap dance for your bitch ass. And I say bitch ass with no love in my heart. <laughs> but that was like a really terrible gig. And like after that, I really started like when I got recommendations for places for like certain gigs or towns, I started I really started being like, well, who is it coming from? Because if you like some like kind of dirty white boy that'll kind of do anything you can get your hands on or you just like certain comics where they kind of more like just about the party it's like hey i'm performing da, 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 da. let's get weird i don't want to get weird nigga i want to get money i'm like i'm not doing that shit and that was the gig that was actually the nail in the coffin that gig in um what was it fucking garberville this is a stupid ass name geyserville that's a good name that was the gig that made me say you know what I'm not doing any more of these bullshit one-nighters in fucking towns that are not, that don't have a decent size or not right next to a big city. Like, let's say I do a gig and I may have said this earlier, so forgive me. But let's say I do a gig in Ukiah, right? Or Clear Lake. I like having the option like, you know what? Boom. I could go to Healdsburg. I could go to Santa Rosa. I could go to Sonoma. And that's like a population. There's some good restaurants. Blah, 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 blah. You'd be like, well, yeah, we get it, Lyle. You like wine country. Okay. You know what? I'm going to take it a step further. Let's say I got a gig in Yuba City or Chico. You know what? We smashing out the Sacramento because I ain't staying in no Chico. I ain't staying in no Yuba City. So I need that. And fucking Humboldt County ended that not fucking with it okay so the next worst gig and i don't want to stay 
too long on this because we did talk about it on the episode with Tritton. But it was a gig in Portland right before the pandemic. And I'm going to just say, because if you guys like really want to hear more about that, go back to the episode, the one-year episode with Tritton Davis from season two. What I will say to really just hammer the point home more, everybody needs to do their fucking job. Because what I, because you know, like before, because basically what happened in short to refresh, expect, because I know some of you guys like smoke a lot of weed, especially when you listen to this, and you guys just get like, I, it's funny, man. People be like, man, I get high as fuck. You be saying some wild shit. I don't be remembering what you be saying, but it'd be wild. Because I'm like, what I say, like, <laughs> I don't even remember, man. But to refresh your memory, um, basically what happened was, was like, the NBA was already shut down, but they're like, all right, we're going to get this money. Everybody was like, all right, let's just get this money because shit's going to be down for a minute. And we didn't know how serious COVID was, or at least us that are not medical professionals. So basically what happened was the fucking staff did not tell the audience to shut the fuck up. Me and Trenton are trying to sell merch, and we're yelling at the staff, turn on the fucking lights! Turn on the fucking lights! So much bullshit that weekend. And then just, like, the... Because Portland as a city, Portland is like... If, if a hairy armpit were a city that belonged to a woman with gum in it, that's Portland. It's fucking disgusting. It's just really fucking... And it's like Portland, I can't, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, cause they, Portland is like one, one of those cities and I put Oakland in this category too, but even though like I would much rather be in Oakland than Portland where it's like, it has the potential to be a great American city, but there are things holding it back. The thing holding Oakland back from being a great American city is like systemic racism, uh, niggas and you know, bullshit. <laughs> and, and shitty mayors. That's what's uh, but what's holding uh, Portland back is like just white people that are just too into their whiteness. Like there's not because because the thing about white people in is it's not good for them to only live around other white people because all white people are like racist and full of shit to a degree. And when they all live around each other, they start thinking they know how the world works. So that's one. Two of the things with Portland, Portland has like really good restaurants. I will say that is one way I'm like, well, man, they do got some fire restaurants. But it's like when you're out there, you start feeling like, damn, all there is to do really here is just go from restaurant to restaurant and then look at because they do have some good, uh, they have a very interesting to look at infrastructure. I, I see why they call it Bridgetown. A lot of, lot of bridges, a lot of rivers. Fun to look at. I actually saw uh, the one of the guys that's responsible for, like, you know, how modern New York City looks. Modern New York City looks. They got him to come out to Portland and design the bridges and all that sort of shit. So that's why, you know, kind of looks like an East Coast town. It's fun. So anyways, fun to look at. So anyway, so what happened with that gig, basically is nobody was doing their fucking job. So the staff was fucking up on the front of they weren't telling the audience members, hey, stop being so talkative. They were taking orders loud. Like, I'm hearing like, oh, okay, vodka tonic and french fries and chicken wings. I should not hear. Because when you come in and take orders, oh, so we're going to do this. 
They were not being respectful with the check drop. And then on top of that, Trenton is recording his album for his label. And they're not even respecting the fact that he's recording. They're like, yeah, whatever, we'll be loud. And and the audience wasn't doing their job either. And it was funny because we got the we got the cue cards and where people, which I fucking hate comedy club cue cards, where people like leave feedback. And <laughs> what is I gotta pull out, I have like some of the notes somewhere. But it was like for me, it was like one was like, uh, he tells it like it is five one was like a one he seems like he needs to get laid one was like a two oh man he's he sh- he complained about people talking too much and that's when i got livid and oh and the one where it was he's complaining about uh he seems like he needs to get laid i looked this broad up and she 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 looked like a just a portland piece of shit she had like the fucking nose ring she has some fucked up haircut where it's long and short at the same time she has some like shitty homemade looking tattoos and I actually saw that we, uh, the mutual friend we have in common, is this uh, flaky filmmaker broad that I dated for for a second. And I'm like, of course you know that bitch. And I'm like, ah, uh, you know. But the people that were like five stars, oh yeah, killer impressions. He killed it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, I fuck with y'all, but but that was my problem. It's like the audience came in just acting a damn fool, talking loud not respecting and they're like carrying full-on conversations while we're there to while we are there to perform and like so audiences are doing their job staff wasn't doing their job and here's here's the thing right i remember when i'm like 15 years old i saw michael richards have his meltdown and there was a thing where it was like People were asking comics, especially black comics, like, so, Michael Richards, what do you think of that? And I remember seeing Chris Rock on Inside the Actors Studio, and he was like, it is, it's never the audience's fault. It's my job to rock the crowd, no matter what. No matter what. And then people were clapping, and then he says, take that, Michael Richards! And it was, like, really funny. And then look at, and I'm not going to say I know more about comedy than Chris Rock, because, I mean, who the fuck am I to say? All I'm going to say is from doing comedy. Ooh, I don't know about that one. There are crowds that come in a certain kind of way. Like one thing in Oakland, I remember as Oakland started to gentrify more and you started getting more of the techies and you got the beanies, the people that weren't techies, but they're still gentrifiers. And all like the shitty nose ring, fucked up haircut, having white people. The thing I noticed was they would come to like, especially these free shows, they would come, not put much in the tip jar. And basically they would do this where it's like, hmm, impress me. Hmm, hmm. Where it's like, they don't want to like, where it's like, okay, you're being an asshole because you can be one because you know, somebody is essentially working for your approval and that's my thing with crowds. It's like crowd got to do their job. But then it's like, okay, sometimes crowds come in not ready to do their job. And it was a pandemic. And at that time, it's like, obviously, comics, like, we're going to work. We want to work. Because this is a very fickle business. And we realized, like, hey, like, if you were blessed to be at a comedy club, if you were blessed to be just doing comedy on a weekend, appreciate that shit and show up. staff 
they got to have our backs. Like, we got to have their back. Just like it's on us to tip. It's on us to fucking say, give it up for your bar and wait staff. It's on them to be like, yo, sh- keep it down. And then we're saying to people, like, and Trenton's just, like, mentally checked out. And, again, go back to that Go back to that episode. But I'm like, yo, y'all got to handle that shit. Because I'm like, all right, he, he has me around to be the to do the dirty work. Trenton essentially, Trenton and Sammy essentially, like when they bring me on the road, they basically have me around to be Dennis Rodman, to be Patrick Beverly, to be Ron Artest. Like I am to be Charles Oakley. Like I'm the, I'm that guy. Shit ain't getting done. So that is why that Portland gig. And then after it happened, the check bounced and they didn't pay me until they got their PPE loans or whatever. And it's like, you don't do that. And then Trenton told me that he had um, bar staff contacting him like, hey, did you get paid yet? Because I didn't get paid yet. And it was like, God damn. Like, you don't run a business like that. You know, that's not how you do shit. Like, that's that's just wrong. Okay, so I have Ariel here with me. Because she just reminded me of a detail from actually the first time I did Harvey's Comedy Club in February of 2019. Yeah. Where they got me and Trenton. Because I think it's a combination of, one, it being Black History Month. And two, me and him just being the kind of like relationship comics. So it's like, oh, let's get them to tell couples about themselves and why single people are single. So... First time I did it, I was offered, like, I could have got a hotel, but I was offered to stay with Ariel's cousin, Ilana. Now, could I, should I attempt to describe her first? Go ahead. So, her her family, Ariel's, like, her white side of her family is, like, a bunch of, like, crazy coons. So... <laughs> Her cousin is like she's a nurse. She runs side side business where uh, she does like a lip injection, Botox, and uh, she's very politically incorrect. Yes, she's she's like very two thousand three MTV Real World (laughs) white ish. Yeah, she and like she has like a rescue, and she's like, "Hey, what's going on, doggy?" You know, gotta like like one time I was talking about uh, basketball, and she, in regards to the Portland Trailblazers, she said, "Can't be hating on my Zers, doggy." <laughs> so stay with her, and basically, she's like like a lot of like nurses are like often hoes and alcoholics. Yeah, and I will say she. She she's both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, she was like telling me all types of like family shit I shouldn't know about, and I didn't want to know about, and like to the point where like it crossed my like kind of little inner Quincy Jones like perverse interview. Like, oh, tell me more about that. I want to get you to say why. I'm like, yo, I shouldn't even be hearing this shit, and. And then it was just, and I was like, I need to be drunk in order to deal with this. And that that's what I did. He got fucked up. And like, she would be drinking beer at 9 a.m. 
Like he would just like call me and it felt like I was having a conversation with like a hostage, you know? And then when he came back, he was like one third of the man who had left before. Yeah. And then she, and then she like cried in front of me and I'm like, I've only, <laughs> I haven't even known you for like 48 hours. And she telling me about some family shit. And then it was like, her titty popped out at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, we, we went to this really good, really good restaurant. Actually, if you're ever in Portland, it is—I can't remember the name of it. Um, really good Cambodian restaurant, I want to say. Um, but anyways, yeah, then she was just popping her titties out. I'm like, you can't be doing it at this restaurant. And then she said, "Little Asian boys ain't worried about my titties." <laughs> <laughs> you can't say she's not a good time. <laughs> and. Uh, Dang, all right, damn, I really need to find that restaurant now. Anyway, so that shit was happening. And so I'm like just out of it. And but I was able to get myself right for the performances because that's what matters. Then every time I would like try to take a nap in the day, I oh, I oh, okay, so we're gonna go to this restaurant. And <laughs> and then uh and then so that shit happened and blah 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 blah. Fast forward to the end and this is a thing that like a lot of comedy club bookers and general managers do well where they know we want to be back and they'll take advantage of the fact that we want to be back they'll take advantage of the fact we want to work and talk our ear off so anyway so the guy at the end we're supposed we're supposed to get paid get our checks and he's giving us his fucking bullshit ass tour of the basement because I guess Portland's similar to Seattle. like Because Seattle, you know, underground. Excuse me, they got, like, I guess Portland has that too. And he was showing us, like, th- this tour, and then I'm filming it, and he's talking. And then I sent it to Ariel, and Ariel was like, hey, did you hear what he said? And I said, no, I'm out of it, and I'm not even paying attention. Ariel. What he was doing is he was giving a tour of this area he was like, and over here, uh, this is where the uh, they called them indentured servants would be kept before they were sold. So basically, this is where the white slavery happened. It's white slavery, actually. And he was like, just really adamant that he had to let Lyle and Trenton know that that white slavery existed. Like, it's not all about you, guys. Not all about you. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in goat. Like, get me the fuck out of here. And it was like, yeah, it was not enjoyable. And it was really annoying because. <laughs> Ari- oh, also, Ariel told me I pierced my lips too much after I take a sip of wine. So I pop. It's like a lot of talking. And then I got. Anyways. So, Ariel, uh, one thing that bothered me about your cousin. For like being, because like one of the nice things about people who get like sloppy drunk is they forget how much you owe. So like, like, all right, you're going to be drunk and act a damn fool. I'll, I'll let you pay for it. You're keeping me out. But she would like be sending me Venmo requests because she was <laughs> fucked up. Like, she she's, you a multi line invoice. <laughs> yeah, like this bitch still know how to do math and shit. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so that's that's also another thing with gigs is you can do these gigs where and this is another thing i'm like i need a hotel room i did get you that hotel room that first night remember 
Yeah, no, it was, I was nice so and clean. Sweet. I know. I wish you like popped up and joined me. <laughs> so with these hotel rooms and staying with people is I can't stay with people anymore. I can't stay with a comic. I can't stay with the promoter. Put me in a fucking room or have the gig pay enough where it's like if I get a room, I could like throw it on my taxes later on in the year. So I once did this gig. I'm mean, okay. Well, to, to keep it to Portland right now is I'm like, no, I'm, I'm building up my hotel tonight. Credit points. We writing that shit off. But like when you stay with people, it's again like the kind of like the comedy club booker thing where it's like, oh, you're staying with me. So there's this kind of implied you need to hang out with me. You need to do the shit that I want to do thing. And I don't like that because honestly, when I'm on the road and I'm doing a weekend at a comedy club, I really just want to at the end, you know, dinner, grab some drinks, maybe go to a spot like if, if the energy's right and like the the comics I'm doing the weekend with. Like, they cool, like, all right, like, yeah, take me to a club. Sh- sh- show me where y'all hang out. But normally, like, comics don't know where the cool shit's at. So they just take me to, like, some whack-ass bar. But I like to, you know, that like, that's kind of it. Like, I'm not trying to, like, be hanging out and going all these different places during the day. I like to keep it chill. So, but when you stay with people, it's like, they kind of expect you to be, like, their little sidekick. Oh, yeah. And I don't fuck with that. I remember I did this one gig, and it was Inventura. And this is when I was living in L.A. And the dude uh, was putting on a show. He was filming some special that, of course, he's never going to put out. And long as he was like, yeah, yeah, because I booked another gig in Ventura that day. So I'm like, OK, cool. I can come down and like go to Ventura for the weekend, come back with like six hundred dollars. Boom. This motherfucker. Like, he's like, yeah, we'll go back to my parents' house. We didn't go back to his parents' house. We went back to, like, some other fucking drunk idiot's house. I was sleeping on an uncomfortable couch with a blanket. And, of course, like, I bitched his ear off about it. He's just like, my bad, bro. You know. Uh, uh. And it, w- it wasn't Clay Newman. But it was. I'm not even going to say the name, guy's name because he's such an off-brand nigga. But it, it was like, I was just so pissed off. Because I'm like, man, let me go to, fu-. like, okay, you go out with these drunk idiots and then let me go to your fucking parents' big-ass house. Like, I don't want to fucking deal with this shit. So. That is one thing I cannot deal with. I need my fucking room. I need my space. And I need, like, not a room in somebody's home. I need, like, it's got to be official. Like, no, this is just... This is Lyle Quarters. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast, and I've been your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very, very, very much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week. And I just want to say... I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. It really means the world to me when you message me that you guys like an episode, that you guys enjoy it. So please, like, keep letting me know. Keep letting other people know. It really means a lot. And I'll see y'all soon. Be well.